Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Energy Captains. Whitney Holtzman is here. Cam Lynch is here. We're in Champa Bay. Super excited to talk about what's been going on. Whitney, hello. Hi, Kim. I am so hyped. I was sitting at game five last night in the Emily Arena, and as the game was progressing and we were getting closer to winning the cup, I just kept thinking, this is fake. Kim and I are recording our Energy Captains episode tomorrow, and, you know, it, it, it would make it so special if we were able to talk about being champions again on the episode. It just kind of felt meant to be that we were going to win, knowing that you and I were recording today. And Whitney, your fingernails. I mean, are those Tampa Bay, like the lightning colors? What are those? Yeah, I don't know if people can see, but uh, lots of sparkles and lots of lightning colors. I mean, you had to get into it. And then I get superstitious. So these are actually like nail stickers. And I went to peel them off and I'm like, oh, no, if I do that, they might lose. So, you know, I had to be sure to keep them intact throughout the whole run, because if you mess with something, they might have lost. And I didn't want to be responsible for that. Wow. And also your shoes, your shoes from the game too, Whitney. <laughs> I feel like that you just have to like bring the vibe. You have to feel it in your soul. You have to be optimistic. Like my dad will tell you on the way to the Super Bowl, I woke up and I was like, I'm a 14 out of 10 excited today. Like I hope in comparison, I feel like an eight out of 10 on my wedding day in comparison to this day. And it was just like, I knew in my soul, we were going to win. Everything had fallen into place. And I felt like that's what yesterday was when we lost game four in Montreal and we had a chance to win it at home. It just like the, the arena was so loud. They honored Vincent Jackson. There were just so many special things about the night. I mean, even when um, uh, Sonia was singing the national anthem, she stopped at one point and let the crowd sing. I've never heard a national anthem singer do that. And it looked like maybe she had tears in her eyes. Like it was just the vibe in every way. Like we were going to find a way to pull this off. And how would you compare Whitney that experience, you know, Emily arena, you got your silver shoes on, you got your, your fingernails painted to the Super Bowl experience. How, how would you compare the two? Well, obviously, um, you were broadcasting the Super Bowl on the Jumbotron. So um, the minute I walked into the stadium for the Super Bowl at 2 p.m., I started crying. I didn't cry at this one until after the game was over. So there were a lot of personal elements uh, in the Super Bowl. And also, you get one shot, right? Like it's at our home stadium. That was fate, whereas the Stanley Cup always happens at the home stadium. And I would say one major difference that stuck out is, you know, we were in Tampa Bay kind of gypped of, you know, the full experience when the lightning won the Stanley cup last year, there were no fans. And I think they felt it too. So when, you know, we had the super bowl, yes, there were fewer fans, but it still felt like a normal sports environment. You can vouch for that. You were there, but when it came to um, the Stanley cup, the players knew what it was like to not have any fans last year. And you could tell this year, they were just soaking it in. And so were we like, you know, you don't often get a chance to do it again the next year um, and do it the right way. We kind of had to be appreciative for winning, uh, you know, in the, in the bubble and during the pandemic. And we thought that maybe was as good as, as it was going to get. But this year, I mean, the crowd was so into it. You could kind of feel that the crowd was carrying the team to victory. You could see kind of a pep in their step and, you know, their energy would go to the next level when the crowd would, um, you know, sort of break out and cheer. And then when the, the, they won and, the, you know, every player skated the Stanley Cup 
around the arena. There's a, a kid that they always show who, um, you know, has Down syndrome. And he's, you, I saw him after the game, such a sweet kid. And Pat Maroon went over and like, you know, tapped him through the glass and interacted with him. And the players actually took their phones and went, you know, skated around and captured the fan experience on their phones. It was almost like it was just as cool for them to have us there as it was for us to be there. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it, right? You mentioned having your family in the crowd. It's a game changer. Uh, for me, just while playing, I remember sometimes like looking in the crowd to see if I can find my mom and my grandma. And when I see them, like my game goes to that next level, you know? And um, it's funny because while I've been playing, you've always mentioned Tampa being like that spot to be. Like, Cam, like, don't leave here. And your foresight was excellent, Whitney. Um I'm super glad that I that I that I moved here. One, I got some property here too on Bayshore, and I'm just looking back. Right, the Athletic posted recently, the Lightning had a 2020 uh, Stanley Cup win. Right, that was pretty big. I remember. I'm going to go to the story really quick. How we were sitting in your living room during the time they got blown out. So we'll go to there quick. Uh, the Rays were in the 2020 World Series, had an appearance there. Um, the Bucks, of course, won the Super Bowl, which we were both at, and then the Lightning winning again this year. That's in a span of what, 10 months. So I think that's, that says it all, right? Tampa is Tampa Bay. And uh, I can say, Whitney, thank you for making sure that I stay here. <laughs> well, a, a few thoughts, lots of thoughts on everything you just said. You know, for everyone says, oh, well, Tampa's taking off in sports because it's the Tom Brady effect. But I like to think it's the Whitney Holtzman effect because when I went to Florida, it was the same deal between the time I was accepted and graduated, the Gators won two football and two basketball championships. Then I grew up here in, in Tampa and every team that's won a title I've been alive for. I don't think many can, many people can say that about their sports history. And especially, you know, this run of, you know, appearing in four championships and basically the last 10 months is, is certainly unprecedented. And we're sort of the sports capital of the world. And um, so, you know, I had, I go to Florida and they win and then I come to Tampa and we're winning in every sport, you know, so I'm, I'm not saying I had any influence, but I, I don't think you can ignore the facts. And also for me, you know, one question that came to mind or one thought when you were asking about the differences or similarities between the championships is that what's super cool for me is the tie back that I get to share it with my dad. So the reason I work in sports and I love football is because he took me to game, the Bucks games growing up. We had season tickets. And so to get to share the Super Bowl with him in person, to have you there, it was the most meaningful moment I could ever imagine. I mean, I was crying because I got to share it with him and he's the reason I'm at this point. Well, in 1990, he was the lawyer with the group that helped bring the lightning to Tampa. So he was at the party the night the team was named. So again, we, he and I got to go to game one. And I just keep saying these memories are priceless. Like a championship is amazing and you get to celebrate with your city. But for me, what's made both so incredibly special is that he's been here to share them with me and I will have those memories forever. Yeah, shout out to Papa Holtzman. He's the GOAT there. And Whitney, you know, we've been in sports. We've been in sports for a while, right? You gave your sports run and kind of how you got it started. I've been playing since I was seven. Whitney, what, what is it going to take for us to get one of the rings on our finger? Like, that's what I'm itching for next is getting one of those rings somehow, some way. Because I know Derek Brooks has three now. One Super Bowl with the Bucks, and now two with the Lightning. So I'm figuring that out. I want to figure that out. How can we do that? Oof. Well, I, I feel like for you, since you retired from football, you know, at least, you know, you had a chance to play in a Super Bowl because of how I was born. That was eliminated for me. But, you know, you and I always find a way. But for you, what would be the dream scenario now as a professional to be able to win a ring? 
Yeah. So, right, going from a, a professional athlete to now a business professional, right, getting my MBA here pretty soon, pretty excited about that. But I think the next step would be really to be a part of a team, right? Be a VP or SVP of marketing and communications at a major network or team. And then hopefully that team go to the ship. So I think that's that's really the best way. And uh, yeah, and I'm going to have to, when I think about the next job that I'm going to take, which is coming up here pretty soon as well, I'm going to have to lean on you for your foresight to see kind of, oh, okay, this is a good spot or this is not a good spot. So looking forward to that. <laughs> that, that sounds like a great plan. And from what I hear uh, from friends who work at the Bucks, that this particular Super Bowl ring is going to be the biggest one ever. So, um, you know, that goes for players and employees get, get ones as well. So, you know, it's not out of the question and life has a way of working out. So I think, you know, wherever you end up, um, you know, there's there's a chance to win it in a situation that you could have, you know, never expected. How could we have imagined? You know, we uh, we live in Tampa. You know, <laughs> it's sunny and warm here year round. We just beat Canada, and you know, I mean, like they come out of the womb and start playing hockey. So I feel like you just never know. I think the key is that Jeff Vinnick is such a quality person and, and good owner, and he he's totally transformed the city. And I think when you align yourself with quality people, that's when success happens. And what I always convey to you, but it made me really happy to hear that, you know, because you you trusted me and I knew without a doubt why Tampa was so great and all that it had to offer. And I don't think I wavered in sharing that with you, but you also trusted me in return. And so, you know, I'm very grateful you because you could live anywhere. You could have any job you wanted and that you chose to make Tampa your home. And hopefully now you feel like it's sort of paying off and, and you do feel like you're in the sports capital of the world. Yeah, yeah, I do feel like I'm in the sports capital. And I know that Tampa leads the way when it comes to sports because of the way we celebrate the boat parades, Whitney. There's the, the lightning boat parades coming up on Monday. But let's kind of flash back a little bit to the boat parade uh, for the Bucks. Okay. Tom Brady toss. Yeah, bring us into that moment, please. Well, what's so funny is um, my friend who covered uh, the Stanley Cup win last night, um, you know, and it was interesting. She said to me, um, you know, I'm really the only woman in the, in the press box. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, disappointed to hear that. And, you know, how uncomfortable you feel like everyone's looking at you. And, you know, she said, everyone's, you know, everyone was nice, but, you know, we, we still have to do better. You know, it's 2021 and we're talking about the biggest stage and we still don't have, um, you know, anything close to equality. It's kind of a boys club. And so to continue to create opportunities for women in sports, they have to be seen and recognized at that highest level. So I'd really like to see that change moving forward. Um, but when it comes, when it comes to, uh, you know, championships here in Tampa, it was funny. It was like when we won all anyone messaged me about already was the boat parade. And, you know, that's like become the highlight of winning a championship and all people can talk about, you know, uh, when, when we have a victory here in Tampa and it started, you know, some things, you know, evolve or innovation happens because of necessity. And, you know, we were in the pandemic when the lightning first won the Stanley cup, you couldn't have a bunch of people packed together on the street. I mean, there were, it was before there was a vaccine. It was very unsafe. Even the employees didn't really get to participate. So we said, you know what, we have a great idea. We have the best waterways. Let's just, you know, have the parade on the water and that way people can be socially distant. So that's sort of how it evolved. It was, it was accidental, but it kind of turned out to be our staple. And right when the lightning won last night, I was getting tons of messages, you know, okay, who, how are you going to capture someone throwing the Stanley cup? Tom Brady tweeted about it this morning, the Stanley cups, 
account tweeted about it. And that's all, you know, the reporters kept saying they were getting asked the most questions about the boat parade. So I love that that's sort of become our staple here in Tampa. And it's cool because every other city celebrates with the parade, but boat parades are unique to us. And it makes us really stand out as a city. It's kind of like the pirate ship at Raymond James. Like that is our unique identifier and kind of what sets us apart and makes us special. So anyway, at the boat parade for the Bucks, so the second one that we've had after the Lightning won the Stanley Cup last year, we have the Bucks. A lot of boat parades. <laughs> exactly. So, and by the way, the Bucks won the Super Bowl February 7th. The Lightning have now won the Stanley Cup July 7th. So something about the seventh day of the month is very lucky for Tampa sports teams. But, you know, I'd gone to the Super Bowl and I thought that was sort of the highlight of, of my life, getting to go to the game, getting to see you broadcast, getting to see Steve McClendon win. I mean, I didn't think life could get any better. And I live right near the boat parade route, as you do. And, you know, just decided to go down there. And I happened to coincidentally capture the video that went viral of Tom Brady throwing the Lombardi trophy, which has now just become my claim to fame. I mean, right when the lightning clinched last night, the the slew of messages I got were about how I was going to capture someone throwing the Stanley cup like that. I think they're going to put that on my gravestone that I captured that video. But what was really cool is Tom used that video that I took on his social media. And so, um, you know, he ended up licensing, licensing it. I, you know, have been able to get to know his team really well, super nice people. And it was just this moment of fate that, you know, I knew when Tom came here, it's like, okay, I've got to find some way to work with him or meet him. And I had no idea it would be because of that video. Wow. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh, Monday. I actually hit up one of my buddies like, hey, boat parade on Monday. Let's get our bikes. Let's go ride down because I missed all the boat parades really. And not again, right? That's I'm done missing the boat parades. I missed the I missed the Bucks one because uh, the reason why I missed the Bucks one was because like dang, like, I actually want to be in it, right? Like I right. want to be in the parade rather than do it. But the Lightning that's fair game, so I'm looking forward to seeing if you if you capture that one. And Whitney, for the people listening, you mentioned licensing that licensing that video. What is what was that process like? Yeah, so I'm we'll have to do another episode to hear your take on what it was like watching a boat parade for the first time. And I'm really glad, you know, now that they've become a part of Tampa and you're such an integral part of the sports community that you're going to get to watch it. And I mean, Nikita Kucherov already was, you know, doing his press conference uh, last night after the game drunk and shirtless and just kept saying number one bullshit anytime anything came up. So I can only imagine what the actual boat parade is going to be like, because I don't think there's a ton of sobriety focused on that day. And, you know, Alex Warren has his jet ski. And by the way, that guy had surgery to put a rod in his fibula last week and was going to try and play in game six and seven. So you never underestimate, you know, when people say, why isn't he playing? I mean, these guys are superheroes, but you give them a watercraft and they just go completely nuts. Uh, they are, they are wild. So I think we're, you know, going to see um, so, some debauchery, um, but I cannot wait to hear your take. And the, the licensing question is very interesting because I learned a lot myself when I took the video and I posted on social media, I thought, oh, maybe this will get six likes on Twitter. So, well, the last time I checked, it's up to 3.2 million views just on Twitter. And a lot of uh, news outlets reached out. I mean, almost instantly ESPN, Sports Illustrated, People Magazine, The Today Show. I did an interview in Australia and all these outlets kept saying, can we use your video with your permission? I'm thinking, especially local news outlets. Sure, sure. No problem. And I have a friend who works for a major news network. And she said, by the way, we can and we will pay for these types of videos. So all those outlets that reached out actually 
would pay for my content. It's no different than a, you know, photographer for the AP at the Super Bowl or working for any other news outlet. You know, I captured this valuable content that they're going to use and be able to show and make money from. Why should I not make revenue? You know, so it was disappointing to know in retrospect how many major companies asked me to do it for free or for the video for free when they could have and should have paid, you know, that's, those aren't the most quality people. But once, you know, my friend made me aware of what the dynamics were, uh, coincidentally, licensing companies started reaching out, read through the contracts. There was this company, Juke and Media, that I was very comfortable with. I, they seemed very down to earth. I like how they did things. It was very understandable and inclusive. And so I licensed the video to them. So now when uh, people come my way wanting to use the video on their outlets, they go through Jukin and Jukin provides the video and, uh, you know, explains how they can use it either on their, you know, TV shows or on their social media. And, you know, you have to pay them for it, rightfully so. I, you know, I don't regret that I said yes. I mean, ESPN put it out there right away. But all of these, I mean, you know, People Magazine had said, you know, can we use this in perpetuity, basically totally for free? And I would have, you know, you can't sign with anyone else. I would have given up all my rights to the video for someone else just to sort of take it, take advantage of it. So I learned a lot in that process. And I would be more conscientious the next time if and when something like that happened. But what's great about Jukin too, is there were some outlets that used the video without my permission. And Jukin went back and said, look, you either got to take that down or you have to pay us for it because, you know, this video has been licensed. So they kind of, you know, police it when I don't have the, you know, wherewithal to be able to do so. Wow. Shout out to Jukin one, um, two, shout out to your family as well. You have a, you live in a family full of lawyers, right? So I think that's big and, um, just your process alone, um, you, you broke down a couple of things, a couple of steps, right? At first it was tough because people were just taking, taking, taking. And after a while you're like, hold on, I can make money from this. And I would like to transition really into the NIL space, right? The name, image, and likeness space, uh, because that's what you went through is what a lot of these athletes are going to go through. And I want to highlight the fact that you're living a family full of lawyers, right? Not everyone's blessed to, to have that, right? But there is a college around a lot of these athletes that have lawyers, right? So those resources are there for the athletes, Whitney. So um, yeah, maybe just jump into your thoughts about NIL and yeah. Where do you stand with everything? Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I think it's great that athletes are finally getting paid. I mean, they were being so, you know, I, I, like I just said about the video, but they're on a whole different level. They were being exploited and taken advantage of and schools were making the NCAA were making money off of them. And, you know, you could get injured in college and never make it to the next level. There was no guarantee of that. So, you know, they were treated as employees and as a business and all those things. And, you know, I, I think it was just everyone felt like the wrong was righted on July 1st when it became legal. I think that I watched the day unfold and I actually became really queasy because, as you know, in us working together and how I run my business is that you, you should do things the right way. And in order to build a brand, you have to tell a story. You have to stay on track and be authentic to who you are. And what I saw on that day was just a, a money grab and a bunch of athletes just taking, and it's not that I blame them for that, but if you can be a little patient and find the right deals, you could set yourself up for a career that's, you know, going to be life lasting and, and long-term as opposed to just taking the first thing that comes at you. It's kind of like dating. Do you marry the first person you meet or do you find the person that you can build a happy life with and that's going to last for a lifetime? So what, what do you think of the whole situation? Yeah. And I think you're the perfect person to give advice uh, about the situation for, right? Cause I remember how we met was 
I was on the radio stage. I said, hey, like, I need someone to help represent me in regards to marketing, just my brand in general. Right. So that was the first step I took. And thankfully, your family is a family of lawyers. So that was two steps in one. Right. And so when that first came out, I was like, OK, these college athletes now, they're going to be professional athletes now. Let's just let's just put it that way. They are now in that professional bracket. So, you know, when I think about my days back at Syracuse, the partying is going to have to slow down. Right. Just like I would did when I became a professional athlete. The party's going to have to slow down. Uh, so think about this, right? One of these young cats signs with this brand for 200000 or 20, whatever it is, $20 million. Okay, they go to a party and a picture is taken. And there's some things there that's that a little questionable. So um, those things immediately jumped in my mind, just kind of the blowback. What could, what could happen from that? And having a great lawyer at the end of the day is going to help these guys out big time. Um, so those are kind of my initial thoughts there. We can also dive deeper, but yeah, it's been very interesting. And, and Whitney, out of the deals that you've seen, what were the, some of the ones that really stood out to you the most? Sure. Well, you know, you know, when you're storytelling, you, you tell the story, story in order, you stick to what makes sense and you're authentic. And that's when the best results happen. So I think that, um, well, let me start with the negative. Uh, I saw someone tweet this and I think it's very important to mention a lot of, like you said, having lawyers look out for you. A lot of these deals talk about using your name, image, and likeness in perpetuity, which means forever. That was the word or the phrase that really scared me when people were reaching out about the Tom Brady video, because that means they can use it forever. So you are granting them permission. So what if these athletes, you know, get a better offer and they say, oh, I, I want to jump to another. Mm-mm, nope, you've signed this deal. So don't sign anything that talks about Um, being able to use your name, image, and likeness in perpetuity. Whatever deals you sign should have a start and an end date, and then you can reassess at those points. Nothing nothing should be forever because none of us know what the future holds. Um, There was one athlete I saw who, um, you know, he loves his dogs and he signed with a pet food company. That's one that jumped out. And frankly, that guy, because it caught people's attention and was so organic and so natural, he's going to get a lot more deals for his creativity and his uh, you know, sticking to who he really is, as opposed to some of these other athletes. I mean, uh, I don't even know what deals most of them sign. I just saw them sort of jumping for money. What about you? Yeah. So I know what I really liked is uh, one of the athletes from Miami, Miami, the University of Miami, he signed a deal and basically he started to loop in some of his teammates as well. I thought that was extremely cool. And I think a donor might have donated for a lot of the athletes to partner with one of the fight, one of the fight companies down in Miami, one of the UFC fight companies and make appearances there. And I think they end up getting uh, $6,000 over the whole year. Right. But pretty much everyone from that Miami team is going to be able to be successful down there or have a deal. So uh, it's been very interesting. And I, I've had a conversation with one of my buddies who's a coach right now. I'm at UConn. And so I went to Syracuse with him and he mentioned that the coaches aren't able to direct a lot of these kids. Right. So when it comes to different deals and stuff, they can't point their fingers in the direction. So, you know, what I told him was like, hey, get a group of people who can support uh, these players around you. Right. So have resources that you can send them to, whether it be a professor in the in the in the law department. Right. Some of these these kids in the business in the business schools. Partner up with these, you know, and my, my story and my uh, message to the young athletes is partner up with the with these kids at your school. Right. Your, your network means your net worth. And if you can if you can link up with somebody in the law program that's getting their master's or you know getting their law degree, they're, they're not going to charge that much. Number one, like going to their school. One. Number two, like 
you know, that's that's probably what they want to get into anyway. So there's a lot of ways for them to use their resources. And I think that's going to be very important for these young cats. And also to my last point into this, I think for athletes, it's going to be important uh, for us to jump into some of these business courses. Right. I think a lot of the, the business school for a lot of these these universities are going to their uh, their attendance rate is going to go up because it would make more sense for the athletes to kind of um, use their studies to then directly affect their business. Kind of like now I'm getting my master's now, my MBA, and I'm able to apply it to, to work, essentially. So I think that would be the smart route to take for some of these athletes. Well, and we look at, you know, you you retired from football the next year. You were broadcasting the Super Bowl at the highest level. Some people you know, focus on broadcasting their whole lives and never even get close. The pandemic hit. Brandon Copeland is still on CNBC talking about financial financial literacy. Um, Hakeem Valez is in real estate. Steve McClendon. And these are I'm naming all the social victories, guys. But there's they all have their stories. Steve uh, runs his team MVP. Jimmy works with elite athletes of all levels. What has made them and, and you successful on the field, off the field, you name it, is because you've done things the right way. And you've told a story along the way because you are living authentically. You are only pairing with people and companies that are fit for you. And that is how you build a long-term brand. I always say LeBron James, everyone knows him well because he's a basketball star. He has the I Promise school and he's from Cleveland. And he only focuses on those categories. Frankly, with this NIL stuff, we, we have this opportunity for athletes you know, many years earlier, you know, three, four years earlier before the NFL to be able to start to build their brands, tell their stories in the way that you guys have built forever legacies. And I did not see one athlete, at least that came into my consciousness or I saw on Twitter there, you know, since this all has started that has done anything to tell a story or build a brand. They've all just sort of jumped at the money. And to me, you know, it's kind of like a one hit wonder or a sugar high. That's like when you're not building a house the right way, then those opportunities are going to disappear because you never really had an identity. And it's like we always talk about dating. You know, when you are dating someone, if you don't really know who you are, and you, how do you know who's a match for you or not? And how do you build a life the right way? Or when you're interviewing for jobs, if you know you if if you believe in everything, you kind of believe in nothing. And so I think these deals, I, I just there's such a great opportunity to start years earlier and get a jump start on building your brand. And I haven't seen anyone do it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting, Whitney. I think the education we have to start in high school, right? The, at the high school level, we have to start educating these young cats on, on business uh, etiquette, right? Getting an LLC, getting a team, uh, whether it comes to uh, someone that can do legal, someone that can do fi- uh, the finances and someone who can just look out, look out for you in general in business. And that that's you for me. So um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And one other thing that I, that really kind of yanks my chain a little bit with me um, is the fact that um, for young men and young women in college at a young age, they're going to be targeted by the opposite, you know, the opposite or the same sex. Right. When it comes to their uh, what do they what do they enjoy for romance, um, their romance life is going to be um, escalated for probably some of the wrong reasons as well. So I'm really worried about that. And another thing that I saw someone said all the people who saw about the NIL and, you know, college players able to get money, the scammers saw that too, right? There's right. people who, the cheap, you know, people who are willing to take from you saw that too. So that's the thing that I'm really worried about um, is just seeing some of these young folks in college, maybe, you know, slip up and have a picture posted or, uh, you know, the brand doesn't agree with them. So, you know, they're going to go the other direction. So I'm really worried about that. And I, I hope they have the proper team around them to make sure they're okay. 
Right. And if, if you don't know who you are, you're not going to end up having a successful relationship. And what I saw with this, all this NIL stuff so far is the cart is getting ahead of the horse. So people are jumping into it with, without really understanding what they're getting into the reasoning behind it. And again, if, if that is your mentality, you know, I think it's, it's just going to be short lived. So do you think that these guys should, and, and gals should have agents? What's the best way for them to go about it? Um, agents. I don't know about agents. The reason why I say that is because it might give them a false sense of the next level. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Like, so I know I saw somebody sign with CAA to do their marketing. It's like, Ooh, that's, I think the quarterback from Alabama who hasn't even played there yet or something. Right. It's like, like that's a false sense of what the future is going to look like. I hope that they have a CAA, CAA and they do sign with an agency, have that parallel career path in mind for these young cats, because Man, it's, it's ruthless at the NFL, uh, just from my experience, and that might give them a false sense of the next level. So um, I wouldn't say I'm an agent, but I would say a business partner and a business consultant. I think finding that early would be important because you can have that business consultant pass the NFL or pass the WNBA or whatever that is. Right. And that's the thing is, you know, what's made you successful is you've always thought strategically and long term. And I haven't seen one player do that. They're kind of just jumping at the money. And you always have to have a why of, you know, when you're partnering with anyone. And I, you know, I, it, it just seems like, okay, the money's coming and they're jumping. But that, you know, you have the opportunity here to build long term success and ultimately, you know, tell your story and make a lot of money. And the, the athletes who are thinking long term, I think, are the ones who are going to succeed in this whole situation. And I'm, you know, I, I couldn't help but think, you know, when I was at Florida and how much money Tebow would have made, was there any feeling for you of like a bitterness? Like, Oh, I just missed this by a few years and I could have really monetized, you know, my, you know, situation at Syracuse and, you know, it stinks. I missed out on that money. No, not at all. I look at the NIL situation kind of like uh super bowl, right? Like I didn't play the super bowl, but I was able to broadcast super bowl two of them, right? And so kind of being in, in the mix without actually uh, physically putting on pads, I think um, was really cool. And I think I can still be in the mix in this way as well, right? Like, you know, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, Whitney, like, what's the approach here, right? I sent you a message, like, what's this approach for NIL? I didn't want to ask you, oh, are you planning on partnering with a college athlete? Like, no, I want to ask, you know, what, what this approach is because there's a, I think the first wave is going to be a wave of everybody, right? Second wave is probably going to be the people who are scamming, like trying to get people out of deals. But after a while, these college athletes are going to realize like, hey, I kind of have an idea of who was right and who was wrong. So, um, you know, I'm curious as to you is like, you know, when do you think that uh, first college athlete is going to come on board? And, you know, what are you feeling about that? So I've always, um, you know, had kind of a Zen organic mentality when it came into my business. Like, there's just been like, as I've gone about life and, and doing things, I feel right. The right people have, have come into my life and my business, whether it's been word of mouth or you and I found each other, you know, kind of by a miracle and you just kind of have to trust the universe. And that's how I feel about, you know, the college athletes. I think there are probably a lot of athlete representatives rushing to try and sign these guys and to monetize them. And that's just not how I roll. I only really want, you know, people, who see the world the same way I do and think I hung the moon and vice versa and, and want to do things the right way. Not everyone is going to be a fit for me and vice versa. So I'm in no rush. I want to, I would rather have one athlete that wants to, you know, really build a brand and tell a story and do things the right way, because there's no way I could advise someone if I didn't feel comfortable with the way they were going about things or, or didn't believe in their approach. And so 
you know, in turn, that means it's going to cut down on the pool of people because a lot of, you know, the kids just want the money and need the money. And so, you know, I, I want to wait for the ones who really want to sort of find the right partners, tell a story and kind of build a lifelong brand. And it's hard to say when that's going to come along, especially when there's such low hanging fruit and easy money being thrown at them. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, it just came to me just now, but I have hope that you're going to get your first female athlete uh, and it's going to be in college. You know, um, I'm thinking about, um, like I said, my buddy who coaches at UConn, he mentioned some of the UConn women's basketball players. Those girls are going to get them dollars, right? And so that would be really cool to see uh, some of those women kind of, you know, lean your way. Like, hey, like all the people are running my way. There's not many women in sports. Like, and I know that you're doing a great job for these guys. Like, can we partner up? So I'm hoping that in the college space uh, that, that your first person is a, a first client is, is a female. That'd be really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. I, I hope that this, um, you know, whole NIL world creates some equality because all college athletes are eligible. So hopefully, you know, there are, you know, some underfunded sports or maybe that don't get the press they deserve where those athletes are, um, you know, getting opportunities and they're able to make money in, in a way they, you know, wouldn't have been given attention to if things had stayed the same, you know, it, on that same tokens, you know, some of the athletes with the biggest social media followings are female athletes. You think of, you know, Sabrina Ionescu at uh, Oregon and, and who's with the New York Liberty now. I mean, she spoke at Kobe's funeral. She has a massive, you know, one of the most well-known athletes. I think of um, you know, some of that, the female gymnasts going to the Olympics, you know, they're, they're in oh. college or going to college next year. I mean, you know, some of these people, um, you know, have more, a, a greater following than a lot of their male counterparts. And so I hope brands will, you know, recognize that and really will reward these women for their hard work and, uh, you know, give them, you know, the deals that they deserve instead of just saying, okay, football is where the only place I should be focusing my attention. Yeah. So, you know, here we at the Energy Academy's podcast, we promote diversity, equity and conclusion in the sports spaces. You mentioned your friend that I think I saw she worked for uh, Sports Illustrated, right? I think. Yeah. Um, and let me let me just tell you, you know, sort of what a badass she is. She actually is the football reporter. She covers the Bucks for Sports Illustrated. And last Sunday, they kind of reached out. They haven't really had a hockey presence. And they said, hey, by the way, do you want to also cover the Lightning's playoff run? And Stanley Cup run. So she went, she's covered two championships and two different sports as Sports Illustrated's beat reporter. And, you know, she found out last minute and still absolutely killed it. I mean, that is being, that is beyond the top of your game because most reporters only cover their individual sport. So the fact that she's done two in the same city in a year's span for one of the biggest publications, I mean, what a rock star. And, you know, how are, how is she the only woman? you know, um, in that, in that press box, it's because someone gave her an opportunity and, you know, we, we just need to have, um, you know, more seats and, you know, it, it should at least be 50, 50. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's cool that you were able to relate with that, right? When you, when you saw those press boxes and you saw there was only one woman there, it's like, Hey, we should, there should be more like us. And I had a similar moment, right. When I uh, watching the Stanley cup finals, I remember the beginning of the year, the lightning uh, made history for having, uh, three African-American forwards in hockey. I was like, okay, the lightning, like, step in the game. I thought that was really cool. And so, you know, going through and watching the finals, I'm like, the playoffs, I'm like, hey, like, where are the brothers at? You know, they were really on the ice like that. And then Matthew Joseph, I think it was, I think the third game of, of the second, you know, of the finals, I think, he started popping up. He His roles are increasing. I'm like, heck yeah, like, 
Like, and for me, I was like, okay, I'm sure young people like me could see themselves now in him, right? And when at the very end of the, uh, at the very end, when they, when they won, you know, they had, they panned everybody and I could see the brothers out there. And I think that moment was cool for me because I'm like, okay, like hockey is diverse. You know what I mean? I can see people who look like me um, playing the sport. So now as a professional, a former professional athlete, when I talk to younger cats, I'm, I can be like, yep, you see Matthew Joseph, like that could be you, right? And same thing for you. When you go to these booths and you take pictures with some of your friends that are working for Sports Illustrated and for the lightning's like, yeah, ladies, like, this can be you, right? This could be you. So uh, I thought that was really cool. Well, and I appreciate that. And I think what also kind of was in the back of my mind is, you know, anyone who's paid attention to sports media this past week, you know, there's been the whole controversy, um, you know, with, with the female reporters at ESPN, and we don't need to take sides or go into it. But I think at the end of the day there, it is just important to remember that there is enough pie for all of us. We are not competing against each other. And sometimes the scarcity can, can create a competitive mentality. And even though, you know, I work in sports and she was the only woman, all I wanted to do was build her up, celebrate her. She deserves it in, you know, I wanted to feature and highlight all the work that she's doing because that was her moment. And I think we need other people who are like us, who are in the minority in our industry to put ourselves second and to create platforms. And then when it's your turn, they're there to build you up. I mean, we really need to be a support system. And whether that's men, women, it's just the people who are close. Yes, we're all in sports, but there's enough room for all of us to succeed. And that's only going to happen by, you know, supporting one another. And you really there's enough bad people out there that you really want to do it for, for the good ones. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we wrap up here, you talk about that support, right? It should come from from every background. Uh, and I think I mentioned this too, uh, when Deshaun, we mentioned before, when Deshaun Jackson had said something that was racially insensitive um, about the Jewish community, uh, Julian Edelman kind of said, hey, buddy, like, like let, let me educate you, let me get you here. And I think I told you then, like, hey, I asked you how you were feeling about it because when the Black Lives Matters protests were going on, I was out in the streets and you were supporting me. So I think that support is big. And I, I kind of wanted to end on this, or my note on this, uh, with Carl Nassif. Right. Coming out, um, you know, it was like a month ago, I believe it was. And I played with Carl Nassif. Right. I'm glad we have this Energy Captains podcast and we can speak about these things. But I played with Carl Nassif. I played with Ryan Russell, who came out as the first bisexual player. I went to I went to college with Carl Nassif's brother. Right. Uh, so, you know, see and his cousin. So Joey, uh, Joey, Joey Nassif and those guys up there, Ryan Nassif. So. Um, it's just crazy to kind of see all those things, um, see those things come, come out the way they did. And at the end of the day, you know, we support them, right? Like Carl Nassib went hard for the Buccaneers. Like I remember it'd be a hundred something degrees out there with me. All the defensive ends are hurting. JPP is on his last limb. And the only person that we had was Carl Nassib wow. making big plays. So, um, and same thing for Ryan Russell. The year before that, like Ryan Russell was that go-to guy. And so, um, you know, as athletes, we have to be around. We have to surround our brothers. We have to, to love them regardless. And I love what Derek Carr said, um, um, the Raiders quarterback. He was like, look, if you want to get to Carr, you got to get through us. And I remember playing the Raiders. Their offensive linemen are like 330 pounds, like 6'5", like huge cats. So I, I pictured that, and it, it was strong. That statement was strong. And, you know, I stand with Carl as well, just kind of, finalizing that statement but you know that support is is very much needed well and I loved what Carl when he came out he 
you know, I, the initial reaction from all the players of this is a brotherhood. And, I, you know, I hope everyone means what they said. And it seems very genuine. And, and our world is in a different place. Because when I was at Rise, I worked with Wade Davis, who wasn't able to come out until he retired. And he wasn't able to live his truth. And I know how painful that was. So to see this evolution in just a few years is, you know, really fills fills my heart up. Um, you know, so I, I hope that, you know, guys really mean it. They stand behind it. And it, it, it seems like it. But he talked about the Trevor Project when he came out. And, you know, he instantly donated money to the Trevor Project, which helps, um, you know, suicide prevention and, you know, uh, you know, LGBTQ community and, and especially kids help support them so that they don't feel isolated and want to take their own lives. And I'd love that not only did he come out, but he instantly gave away for other people to help and support. And I think he said, um, I, I, I believe the, the quote he put out was that it, you know, there 40% of teens say that if there's one adult in their life who supports them, then they no longer think about taking their lives. Think of how many people that is, how powerful that is. And so just to have you come out and say that about Carl, even as one person, the impact that we can really have and how much you can really help change and save someone's life is, is that's powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's big. And um, it, it's funny too. Like I said, I said last note, but I had a chance to speak to the uh, young, young kids at Syracuse, the incoming athletes. And we were talking about branding and stuff like that. And I said, Hey, like, let's do, let's, let's run the scenario. It was the day after Carl came out. I was like, okay, one of your teammates comes out, like, what do you do? You know, we kind of walked through it and talked through it. And long story short, we got around. It was like, hey, you know, let's sit, sit them down, right, and talk to them about it. See how you feel. Just like ha what happened with the Black Lives, like when George Floyd died, the players sat down with their teammates and had conversations and listened. And so you put your arm around your brother or your sister at that point, and then you move forward and you attack the day. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely some sensitive stuff, but things that we have to pay attention to and be, and be very aware about. Well, and it was interesting on the way home from the game last night, um, I was walking behind a group of people. So I didn't walk by myself. And one of them, uh, it was a group of white guys bumped into a black guy and the black guy used the word cracker to, and it, it broke my heart because, and I think what's so hard in like it, just talking about, for instance, the black lives matter situation, you know, I worked at a racial equality nonprofit I care for you and the other guys I work with truly is my family. I mean, you have been over for Thanksgiving. You, you made my birthday so special. Like there are no, I can't put into words how much you, you know, and your girlfriend mean to me. And I mean, you're truly part of my heart. And I think it became like a white people don't get it and a white people don't care. And I felt like for me, I almost just wanted to cry because, you know, I, you hope that you had behaved in a way that was supportive and you want to, you want to make it so clear. Like I am an ally. I am here. I am not like on the other side or the bad side, like whatever I can do, I may not be perfect. I may not get it right all the time, but like, I stand with you. I'm here to support you and I want the best for you. And it's hard. I think sometimes because you just feel like, well, maybe I, I'm not going to say the right thing or, you know, they think they're going to misinterpret something I say. And you just want your heart and your truth to come out about like, I am not just because we're different doesn't mean I am on a different side. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's extremely tough. And I mean, you know, you've impacted a lot of people when it comes to uh, the things that you do and the way you uplift others. And so you can't save everybody, you know what I mean? Like that, right. that guy on the street, you can't save him. And so, um, but I think, you know, that's just fuel to uplift others in, in the workspace, right? It's like, Hey, that happened to me now, but Hey, moving forward, like, I'm going to make sure that the people that I work with, I'm uplifting them and whatnot. So yeah, you know, don't stress over that. You just can't save everybody. That's oh, all. 
And I appreciate that. And I think also, you know, the, this podcast has really come together because everything that we have talked about is that you have success when you do the right thing, whether it's supporting our employees or our teammates, standing up for what is right. When you look at the lightning, you know, it's Jeff Vinnick and we were, the lightning were in the shitter when he bought the team. We were the joke of the league and now we're back-to-back champs and we were named ESPN's number one fan experience because he invested in the community. He poured money and resources into wanting to make the games a great experience. When we're talking about brands, you have success when you build things the right way and you don't just jump at the first opportunity. So I think that, you know, it takes time. You know, for me, I, you know, could have stayed in New York and everyone said, oh, I should have, but my family was in Tampa. My heart was in Tampa. And since I moved back, we have all these championships and I was in the right place to capture the Tom Brady video. So again, the, that gratification wasn't instant, but when you follow the right path, you surround yourself with the right people. That is when you have even greater success than you could have imagined. Well, yeah, Winnie, that's the mic drop right there. I think you, you wrapped our energy captains podcast up with a bow on that one. So uh, any last words for the people before we shake off? I'm just, I'm just going to say to everyone, stay tuned. Our next episode will have to be Cam's recap of the boat parade. And I hope you have the time of your life experiencing your first one. I mean, what a unique experience to get to have in history. Some people don't even have any championship parade. You get to have one and then have it be a boat parade. So I'm just super pumped for you. And I, I can't wait to hear what it's like for you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe I can drive past your house and wave at you before. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, I would say uh, for this episode, Champa Bay out. Champa Bay out. Yeah. <laughs>